Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Each week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. As we enter the Easter season, we're taking time over the next several weeks to hear testimonies of how the work of Jesus has brought people from death to life. Each testimony you'll hear is unique, and they'll all span across the generations so that we can gain a broader and deeper understanding of the saving grace of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. Today, we get to hear the story of Zach Rogers. Growing up in a single-parent home without a father, Zach marks most of his early life as being defined by fatherlessness. He believed God was non-existent until a friend invited him to attend a local youth group and, as a teenager, he was introduced to Jesus for the first time. In the years to follow, it was the work of God through others that brought Zach to saving faith in Christ, which led to growth that has brought him to where he is today. So let's jump right into my conversation with Zach Rogers. Zach, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. It's awesome to see things come full circle because we got to know each other because you and your wife, Kristen, were student group leaders several years back. And now here we are. This is I know crazy. this is, this is cool. And you know, to me, like the, I think the number one way that God has just kind of had me working in and through church was through student ministries. Mm. And so you know, at one point in my old church, it was, you know, sharing my testimony. And so here we kind of are here at Calvary doing that. That's so cool. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to do this. I, I hope, you know, maybe some of my old youth group kids would listen to this and yeah. and uh, they can kind of see my journey. But yeah, this is, this is really cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So did you and Kristen jump into student ministries as soon as you started attending Calvary or did that come later? So I, again, always like big heart for student ministry. You know, I was volunteering basically at every church I was attending. 2015, Kristen and I start coming to Calvary. We had had several professors that, you know, were Lancaster Bible College students, obviously the three of us, my wife and and me and you. Mm -hmm. So I knew John Soden and uh, Gordon Gregory and through some mutual relationships started coming to Calvary. And then I tried to jump in to student ministry in fall of 2015, but I was too late. Like I missed the cutoff by like three or four weeks. I gotcha. And so the following year I jumped in and uh, then one year after Kristen jumped in and, and okay. we were part of it for, I want to say for me, four years and her three mm -hmm. might've been three and two. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. So why is student ministry so important to you? Well, I mean, without diving headfirst into the conversation. I mean, it's where I found the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, I've just seen how Jesus works through the hearts of teenagers. Mm -hmm. And I've wanted to offer some of that connection and some of that relationship that I needed and helped me to 
fall in love with Jesus through the hearts of other people and yeah. through people that, you know, Jesus was working through. I've always felt like the, that's just what I was going to do forever. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, that didn't end up exactly being the case. And I could discuss that another day, but I just, I've loved it. I mean, it, every day of doing it always felt just like, yes, God has me in the right spot. Yeah. And so that's always the coolest is when you just feel at home in your kind of role. Yeah, that's really cool. Can you talk a little bit about how you and Kristen met and talk a little bit about your family? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Kristen is my wife of, let me see how many years now, six years. We have a nearly two-year-old Wade and uh, he just learned how to climb out of his crib today. So uh, good luck. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll need a lot of luck. Uh, It might be big boy bedtime. But uh, yeah, so we met, I mean, we met freshman year, but we didn't really talk to each other. We didn't have mutual friends necessarily. But uh, 2014, we were in a class together, a class that I ended up dropping a week later, actually. Oh, my gosh. And uh, but I was kind of, you know, flirting a little bit. And, you know, she was sitting right in front of me and we ended up, you know, I, I asked her to lunch and we went to Cravings Deli. And yeah, we got together at 1130 and we were there till 315, just talking, 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 wow. you know, and, and I, I knew right away she was very interested in discussing theological things, which I was always super into. Mm-hmm. And all of her answers would be like, well, this is what I think the Lord says about it. And it was very like, my opinions mean very little. Mm-hmm. And what God's word is means so much. Yeah. And I just ate that up. I left that, that lunch <laughs> bordering into dinner. Cause we were there so late. <laughs> right. Uh, I literally was like, I'm going to marry her if she'll let me. So wow. yeah, it took her yeah, a little bit longer, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I knew. So fast forward a year and a half later, we get married here at Calvary. Okay. We've stayed in the area. We lived in Ephrata for a little bit. We've lived in a couple places in Lancaster. We now just live real close. We've loved the area and we love Calvary Church. And, uh, you know, there was just a little bit of time in the last six months that we were looking at moving and moving far away. We didn't really want to do that. Yeah. And it was a huge blessing and God dropped a, just an absolute gift of a place to us. And so we're really happy to stay in the area. Yeah. We're glad that you're here too. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you majored in, what Kristen majored in and what you do now for work? Sure. So I originally went to school for um, sports management. Okay. I ended up not loving the program so much. And I was starting a smartphone resale business in my dorm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I quickly realized maybe I should Switch to business, which yeah. was a brand new program on campus. Right. And so I did that. And I actually only was at LBC for two and a half years. I, you know, you could say I dropped out. I just stopped taking classes. Like I didn't, I, I guess that's dropping out. But like, I don't think of it that way because the goal of getting my degree was, well, in this case for business to start my business. Right. Well, I'd already started my business. Right. So what am I going to do? Give myself a raise? Like, yeah. yeah. you know, there's nothing really I could do there. And then Kristen went... 
just for biblical studies, and she got her degree, I want to say, in 2016. She's had the opportunity to work at Sight and Sound, mm-hmm. and that was a really cool experience. She got to work with some really nice people, really awesome people. There's a pretty good community there. So right now, we take turns doing some gig work, but she's mostly a, a stay-at-home mom, and that's just been really cool because not having to hand your kid off at daycare has been a really, really cool blessing. And uh, being self-employed as well, for me, I've gotten to see a lot of Wade's first, you know, two years of yeah. of life. I got to see his first words. I got to see his first steps. Like, yeah. And not every parent can say that, right. regardless whether they're, you know, the mother or the father. So it, it's been a, a wonderful blessing. Yeah, I know you've helped me a lot with some technological things <laughs> because of your expertise with your business. So I've appreciated that. And I didn't realize you were only at LBC for two and a half years. Yeah. I thought that we were both there for the same amount of time. So I just learned something new. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, w- I went for the first two years, it was full time. The like fifth semester was part time. And I kept realizing like, I'm racking up so much debt doing this. And like, here I am with a business that I've created that's making decent money. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I going in debt to again, not be able to give myself a raise? Like, so there was a lot of really cool things about college and a lot of cool things that I gained, but um, I think that was the right move. And um, yeah, God kind of directed that because um, there was a lot of maybe poor decisions I could have made along the way there. Mm. And I think it kind of protected me and shielded me from some of that. So, yeah. And I think it's cool too, that he used your experience there. You wouldn't have met Kristen. Right. There's things that you probably would not have learned or you you may not have even started your business had you not been at LBC. Correct. So oh, completely. he used it in so many ways, even though he directed your path differently than how you thought it would turn out. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever wanted to look back at my lack of a college degree and say that I quote unquote wasted my money, I mean, you could just say that I spent X number of dollars on a wife, I guess. So uh, I don't know how that goes over, but uh, whatever. Oh, no. We love Kristen. We wouldn't say that. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, let's go back into your story a little bit. You started to touch on it with um, talking about youth group. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what life was like growing up and what life was like before you met Jesus. Yeah. So I grew up with two younger brothers. One is seven years younger than me and one is 13 years younger than me. So quite a, quite a space out there. Uh, I'm the oldest and, uh, You know, we lived mostly in Warren, Pennsylvania, which is up near Erie. We did spend four years in Philadelphia, which was a complete culture shock because all I'd ever seen was, you know, trees and white people. And that was, you know, there were no trees and fewer white people. So it was just a quite a a different, different world. And um, yeah, I would say, you know, I I think if you were going to mark my kind of early life story with a word, it's probably fatherlessness. Mm. I didn't really have uh, a dad really at any point in my life. So fatherlessness put a big strain on my relationship with my mother. Mm. You know, I had unrealistic expectations. She was bitter. I was bitter. We would argue a ton. There was no man in the house to show me how to treat any woman, let alone my mother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, there was when I was 10 years old, I was hitting my mother. I would smack her when I didn't want something. And fortunately, she ended up having a a boyfriend who is 
now my my youngest brother's father. And he, I remember he grabbed me by the uh, the shirt one day and he picked me up against the wall, which sounds like abuse, but I really needed it. And he said, don't you ever touch that woman again. He didn't hurt me. He just showed me like, I am more powerful than you and mm. you don't hit women. And, you know, I don't know if that's quite the right way to do it, but it got the message through and I, I never did it again. Mm. And, you know, while no one in my family has ever been a Christian other than myself, I needed to see how to respect women. And, and I, I hadn't really seen any of that mm-hmm. up to that point. And so while that maybe doesn't tell a story about who Jesus is, it, it might share a principle that I've picked up along the way. But um, yeah, I think kind of moving into high school, I don't know Jesus at all. I have some friends who invited me to come to this church that, um, they had a pool table and like, we're poor. So like, oh my gosh, a pool table. That's incredible. You know? So I went and played on this pool table once every Tuesday for what felt like, I don't know, two years or so. I might've Mm -hmm. been 14 when I started going. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, every week you hear a sermon and you hear some worship music. And I don't know if I'm rushing ahead here, but you know, I, I eventually go from, I don't believe in God at all to, I'm starting to believe that God could exist. Okay, now I believe that Jesus was a real person mm. because before I didn't even believe that. Right. To, okay, like now, even further progressing, I believe Jesus died for the sins of the world. It took me a while, a long while, and I'll tell the exact story of when that happened, but um, for me to take ownership of that in my life, because there was, I think there was probably a six month to a year period where I believe Jesus died for the sins of the world, but did not believe that like I, in my very like self-conscious, low self-esteem, low self-worth self, Mm -hmm. thought that that mattered to me specifically. I know that sounds really weird, but like it didn't apply to me for some reason. Wow. So walk me through that as you went through that process from God doesn't exist to, oh yeah, Jesus was real to he died for the sins of the world. How did that happen? So there was a youth pastor that ended up marrying me and and is one of my longest best friends, Pastor Jay. And, uh, you know, he just... He, he loved on me like he would. He knew that we didn't have a car and I lived two miles from the church. And so he picked me up every Tuesday and dropped me off back at home. Wow. And he's leading a youth group of fluctuated between 40 and 100 students. Mm. And so like I'm one of probably 14 kids that could use a ride this week, you know, but he made sure that Zach got a ride. Mm. And, you know, he made sure that we had discussions and talked about life and also made sure to keep it really fun. We talked about sports a lot. We just, he was just a friend and an older mentor that I really looked up to. And because I valued him and I valued the way he treated me and the way that he was just kind of walking alongside of me in life, I began to be more exposed to the truths of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I just, I believed like, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. You know, when you hear someone who is decent and logical and kind tell you things, you're more likely to believe them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was kind of, you know, he would do the vast majority of the sermons 
and he would present the Bible in a logical and honest way, in a clear way for a 14, 15, 16-year-old to understand. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Lord really just worked through him. And, uh, you know, over the course of a couple years, my eyes were opened. And, you know, while my heart hadn't changed, my my brain had, if that sure. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so that's where the disconnect was between Jesus died for the sins of the world and Jesus died for me. Right. When did that finally click for you? Yeah, so... You know, that this comes back to like the real strained relationship I had had with my mother. And I can say to the glory of God today, like it's a whole lot better. Mm. Like it, it's still not perfect, but my mom and I, we talk frequently, you know, we get together, we enjoy each other's company. Like, is it absolutely perfect? No, but is it a whole lot better than it was? Unquestionably. Mm. And you know, I'm, I'm 16 years old and I happen to remember this date. It's November 22nd of 2005. And we're arguing for what feels like the 18,000th time. And our argument is, is probably really stupid to be honest. Mm. It's a Tuesday, November 22nd, Tuesday is my youth group day. And for my mother, not being a believer, she was actually very supportive of me going to church. She figured, okay, reasonably good role models. Yeah. You're not going to be doing drugs. Like you're going <laughs> to sure. be like, you know, in a safe environment. And yeah. so she would always let me go. But whatever, for whatever reason, this argument, whether I don't even know whose fault it was, I can't remember for one lick what the argument was about, but it ended in me not going to church. And I threw a fit about it. Mm-hmm. One, because I thought it was unjustified. And two, because I was just angry. Yeah. And it ended up with her telling me to go live with my aunt Okay. Um, so I'm 16 and my aunt just lives across town and apparently they had already had some kind of arrangement that like, if this had gone any further South, like this was going to be the arrangement. Okay. And so that Tuesday, and now this is two days before Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving was extremely awkward. I bet. Uh, you know, so I go and move in with my aunt who I knew, but didn't know super well. So that was hard. And, you know, I'm feeling this, like, I feel abandoned. Mm. (laughs) It's kind of justified because I'm a punk, you know. But at the same time, if we're being honest, I was pretty bitter at my mom. And maybe she could have handled it better. And I certainly could have handled it better. And and who knows. But so a week later rolls around. And while I'm technically grounded, I'm still allowed to go to church, which is nice. My aunt's letting me go. And so this is November 29th, 2005. And coming back to the point of fatherlessness. So like right now in my life, in that moment, I don't have a father. I've not spoken to my father since I was six. I have absolutely no relationship with him. I feel like I have no relationship with my mother because it's mm. just broken and it feels broken beyond repair. Yeah. And I, I feel abandoned. So here we are Tuesday night and I just, I'm emotionally spent. I just, I, I'm, I'm, really just want to have a good night. I want to have one up day. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly find that, but I find that Jay is going to preach a message on the prodigal son or the lost son. And he kind of tells the story as it's written in scripture, but then he also plays a music video by Jeremy Camp called Take You Back. And I would encourage anyone to take the three minutes just to take a look at that. It starts out with an argument between a son and what looks like a son and a father. 
and the son kind of just goes off on his way. And it very much mirrors the scripture story where, you know, the son is involved in a lot of honestly just stupidity and, and you know, foolish living. And you, but at the end of the video, you see the son return to the father and the father just embrace and what looks like in this music video, just this unconditional, I take you back always. I mean, that's, that's the lyric. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so I so desperately want that from my mother because mm-hmm. I feel abandoned. Right. And while I'm bitter at my father for not really kind of existing in my life, I know that I would like that too. Well, all the while, I believe that Jesus is real yet I've not accepted him as my heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And so I see God, what he's doing here. Like he's, he's hitting me on three sides here. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm keenly aware of what he's doing. And honestly, there's been so many times in my life where God has just like, it's like he's standing in the middle of a freeway with a sign that's like 15 feet big and I'm holding my hands up right now. And like, you know, it's, he can't make it more obvious sometimes. Like I'm talking to you, Zachary. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, and so I kind of just sat in the pew after, after the service. And there would always be this period of time where like, you could just sit and pray. You didn't have to like go downstairs and where the kind of games area was, you could just kind of stay upstairs in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. We had outgrown the downstairs cause our church was like, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I just remember saying to God, I I don't really understand how salvation works. Like I get that, like I have made mistakes and I'm responsible for many of the things, not everything, but many of the things that have gone, you know, awry in my life. And I would like forgiveness of those things. I believe that you're powerful enough to do that. And I'm going to ask you to do that. I would also really like a restorative relationship with my mother. Like, Mm. I was desperate for that. I was yeah. desperate for any parental relationship. And maybe that's why I latched so, you know, closely to Pastor Jay. Yeah. Even though he wasn't a parental role. I mean, he was only, I want to say, 11 years older than me, yeah. 12 years older than me. I still kind of saw him in that way. And, but yeah, like n- nothing compares to your mother. I mean, it's your mother. And so I, I wanted that so bad. And so again, I see what God's doing. And I just kind of, after saying that, I kind of just say, God, like, help me. Like, I don't know what to do here. Like, yeah. please, Lord, do something that I'm clearly incapable of doing. And and so I, I would say on that night, I was definitely saved. And, and that was the night that I would say, I really met the Lord. Mm. I kind of knew of him. I knew about him. But I think that was the night like he knew me yeah, and I knew him, like yeah. if that makes sense. It was mutual. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What changed after that? <laughs> well, it, I mean, if we're being honest, I would say my life kind of got worse. Like okay. I know that sounds like, oh, you got saved. Like your life is going to be great now. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't find that in scripture personally. I became older. I became closer to 18. I started making more inappropriate adult choices. I was stealing things. I was making just awful choices. I was, I would say sin increased. Mm. And, and while I knew where my eternal resting place was, I, by the way, I love that, that pastor Bo had spoken about this, this weekend, 
where he said, you know, we are in Christ kind of, but is Christ in us? Mm -hmm. And so I was in Christ. I was saved. Mm -hmm. But in my life, in my actions, in my fruit, Christ was not in me. Yeah. And so that probably marked the next two years of my life. I'm still reaching out for any semblance of love and acceptance I can find. And so I start self-harm and Mm -hmm. there's just this big list of just terrible decisions I was making. And then in July of 2009, I was invited to go to Creation Festival in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And there was this four day period of my life where now keep in mind, I'm, you know, as deep in my sin as I've ever been. Sure. Constantly just using profanity, constantly just thinking the ways of the world. And I went four days without swearing for probably the first time since I was like nine. Wow. And I didn't try. Right. It just, I was in the company of believers and it wasn't needed. Mm -hmm. And so many pieces of my life were to try to find the affection of others Hmm. and try to gain Love, really, because, again, I'm just grasping at straws because, you know, I feel abandoned. Right. And for the first time, I went four days without needing to, like, impress anyone with that. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of realized, like, you can live in a godly manner and still be loved. Yeah. And that was revolutionary for me. Wow. That was revolutionary for me. And that, I would say, while there wasn't complete and whole transformation Mm -hmm. there was big steps and i would say that to me was was enormous creation fest was was so big in my spiritual development yeah so you were around 18 when this happened 18 19 yep okay yep so how then did you end up at bible college because there's a period of time in between there where you know you're saved at 16 Things aren't going so well right. for you. You end up at Creation Fest, and then what happened? Right. So, 17, I drop out of high school. Okay. I live two-ish years of just kind of the lost son. You with know? your aunt? Uh, so, actually, only three months with my aunt. Okay. Then I lived a little bit with my grandmother. Then I lived with a friend. Fast forward, i just turning 20, and... I am back with my mother and we're having a repeat of where we're at. I'm basically getting kicked out again. Okay. And I start calling. I have a full-time job and I start calling friends and youth pastors. Mm-hmm. And I speak to a friend of mine who is a youth pastor, not Jay. And he has a wife and two adopted kids. And I say, this is my situation. Do you know of anything? He said, do you want to just come live with us? Wow. And like... <laughs> I I don't cry almost ever, but like that was the tears were flowing because mm-hmm. like how easy was that? Like right. he just decided that he was going to love me enough to just say, yeah, you can come live with us. And I lived there for almost two years. Wow. And I'll just try to go bullet points of massive life change because I could talk for 35, 40 minutes and we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> uh, I got my GED. Okay. That was huge. I did ACTs so I could get into college, scored really well on them because 
that family encouraged me to go to this place that offered free studying and wow. they like forced me to go, forced me to go. Yeah. I learned how to drive. I didn't have a driver's license when I was 2021. 20, wow. Um, I had absolutely just destroyed teeth. And while I was living under their roof, a dentist locally donated probably ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of work. And I mean, I had I was working at a seven dollar fifty cent an hour job. Wow. And with no insurance. Right. And so there was just nothing I was going to do other than put my hand in front of my mouth when I talked, which is what mm. I did for years. And uh, yeah, repaired the teeth. Like they should have just all been pulled. And here I am talking to you right now with repaired teeth, which is incredible. I mean, I, it was out of a horror movie. And here mm. we are with, I mean, I think I have a decent smile. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh College. Yeah. You know, I just kind of decided it was time to leave my small hometown. It was time to become a productive member of society. And the big thing to me was, you know, I never once considered when I was looking at the six colleges I was looking at, I never once considered a secular school because I knew this year and a half at this point of Christian fellowship in my home that I had. Mm hmm. I needed more of that. I had to have more of that to grow into a person that I thought that God wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I needed the community of Christians. And so I spent the extra money <laughs> and went to a Bible college, yep. which I don't regret at all. You know, the sports management thing was mostly out of, you know, just a love for kids and a love for youth ministry. And I didn't know if I wanted to become a coach or a youth pastor with it, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was kind of the direction. And uh, man, I mean, there's just so many of those things along the way that like, you know, if if they don't take me in, right? do I get my GED? Do I get my teeth fixed? Do I take my ACTs and score really well? Do I apply to colleges? Do right. I like there's so many. If I don't have a nice smile, do I get married? Do I have my son? Like mm. there's so many things that like this Christian dentist that I don't know if I mentioned that he's a Christian. If he doesn't do that for me and, you know, follow God's will, do am I able then to, you know, kind of maximize what God would have for me? And right. I, I think the answer is a flat no. So yeah. there's just so many instances to, to put a bow on this where, like, clearly God is working through people mm -hmm. and, and things that I just absolutely could not have done for myself. And... um I mean, that that's probably the story of my life is God just working through others and, yeah. and blessing me, honestly. Yeah. So this is a twofold question. Sure. What did you learn about family from living with this youth pastor and his wife and his kids? And what did you learn about God that you didn't know before through the blessing of these other people during that time? That is uh sorry, I didn't prep you for no, those no, questions. No, 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 that's <laughs> fine. I, I, I'm usually good at thinking on my feet. And and the reality is, is I just think that I learned Christian families are normal families too. Mm -hmm. They just have a central point of focus and they have something to go back to when times are hard. Mm. Like, do they still argue? Absolutely. Do they even yell sometimes? Absolutely. When things are hard and disagreements happen, we come back to... Jesus is on the throne and he is going to lead our lives. Mm -hmm. When you 
are in a secular family, you don't have anything to come back to. So all you have really are the emotions of the people you live with. And so if the person is unhappy with you, mm-hmm. that is the God of your situation. That mm-hmm. is like, if, if there is strife, there's nothing to come back to. Right. And so, man, I, I would just say foundation of mm-hmm. like, we have problems, mm-hmm. we have trouble, but we come back to each other. We still love each other. We forgive each other. We apologize. Mm. You know, there were some times where I saw Aaron was the youth pastor apologize to his kids wow. because he would make, you know, mistakes that any father would make. Sure. And it's something I hadn't really seen modeled in my life is a parent apologizing to their children. Yeah. And, you know, I don't mean to say that in a way to like badmouth my mother again, you know, we've really, sure. you know, repaired our, our relationship, but that's something I still struggle with today is like apologizing when I'm wrong mm-hmm. because, you know, not just my mother, but other people around us, family, friends, like the parent was, you know, the God of the household. And yeah. so, you know, there, there was all that mattered was that person's happiness to a degree. And mm-hmm. so I think I learned that Jesus is, very constant and stable. Mm. And that to me in a very unstable world, in an unstable home, that is so refreshing. Yeah. And, you know, when you're just grasping at straws, like I said, you know, when I'm 16, 17 to, you know, be exposed to Pastor Jay, Pastor Aaron, you know, this Christian dentist that every time he's, you know, doing work in my mouth, he's like telling me stories that, you know, that, how the Bible's working in his life. Wow. And he's like trying to have a conversation with me and I've got like three pieces of metal in my mouth. I'm like, oh, like, what do you want me to do here? Isn't that Um, how it always goes at the dentist? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Shane Bourne. But, uh, you know, knowing that God isn't going to change if I upset him, Mm -hmm. I think was huge for me. You know, one of the verses I think that's so huge for me when I look back is when I think of first John chapter two, I look at verses three through 11 and it's just a list of like, here is what Christians don't do. And like, it's, it's a pretty like heart driven. Like if you are doing this, then you're not following Jesus. And it like really beats me down when I read that. Mm -hmm. But then the first two um, verses there are essentially Like, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So then we have this list of things after this. Whoever does not keep his commandments is a liar. And there's just this this list of like almost it, it feels like you're getting beat down because like it's almost a standard. Well, it is a standard that's impossible to uphold. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at how John opens that and says, you know, we have forgiveness. Like it, yeah. it's while this is the goal and the standard mm-hmm. and while we want to do this, there's forgiveness. And God is not going to this was this is probably the big piece, I think. God's not going to kick you out of heaven Mm. (laughs) because you've sinned. Yeah. And so that went against everything that I had seen. Right. So 
refreshing. Like the word is the word I like, it's like a drink of water on the hottest day of the year. Yeah. You need it. And, and I didn't know that it existed right until it's here in my face. Yeah. What else has contributed to your growth? Well, if I'm being honest, I have a hard time pointing to areas to say like, I've grown here, I've grown there because I just feel like my life over the last six years has had such dramatic changes. I got married. I had a traumatic back injury. I had a kid. There was a pandemic. And so like these big things are happening. And I just, I, I'm doing a lot of wrestling with God, if I'm being honest. Mm. And so maybe my biggest area of growth is understanding that that's okay. Yeah. You know, like understanding that with my back injury, I'm dealing with this pain every single day and probably will for the rest of my life. Mm. And I don't ever ask God, like, why me? But I ask often, like, why at all? Like, why does anyone have to go through this? Like, one of the questions that I wrestle with all the time which I think this is appropriate to wrestle with. And there's been a lot of Christians that I've been around that have said like, oh, you just need to absolutely believe that exactly what is in the Bible is true and you can't debate it. And you can't like, not to say that God's word is going to change, but like you have to like get it and mm-hmm. you can't get it unless you wrestle with it. You can't, yeah. you have to engage it. You know what I mean? And right. so, you know, I'd ask questions like, why do kids have to get cancer for you to be glorified? Well, I don't think they do. I think God can be glorified without that happening. So I get really frustrated and mm. and and confused and like with my back pain, like why am I dealing with this all the time when like God will be just as holy and just as glorified if I don't go through this. And so that to me, I can come back to the truth of knowing that God is good mm-hmm. while I wrestle through that. That's yeah. not, you know, an issue where I'm wondering like, is God good? I know that he is, but now based in the fact that he's good, I'm going to wrestle with this. And yeah. so that to me, I would say is a big area of growth is like, I can just have honest conversations with God mm-hmm. because to be honest, the last like three, four, five years have been kind of tough. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to say like, you know, God rescued me from the grave and now my life is perfect. Like that's just, I don't think that's reality for most people. Right. And so I would just say honest communication with the Lord mm-hmm. and, while it doesn't happen as often as it probably should, it's way more genuine than it ever was. And yeah. I, I'd say that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's this idea of paradox that we see all throughout the Bible when we talk about two opposing things existing at the same time. Right. It's the both and of, yes, I believe that God is good. And also I have questions. Yeah. And it seems really counterintuitive to us and our logic for those two things to be able to exist at once, but they can, and that's okay. And sometimes we're not going to understand or have all the answers. Right. So I can for sure relate to that. And I know a lot of other people can as well. Um, you mentioned the passage in first John. Are there any other passages of scripture that have really impacted you in your spiritual journey? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is just kind of one, maybe not so much that I deal with today, but one that was really tough for me. You know, I talked about my kind of low self-worth and, you know, anytime someone would say something negative about me, it would just crush me. Mm. And there was a point maybe when I was 22, 23, you know, I'm living, you know, with, with Aaron and Marjorie and, 
there was a point where I just kind of realized like Jesus, the most perfect human to ever have lived, the person who did the most good ever was murdered Mm -hmm. and hated by many. Mm -hmm. I'm Zach Rogers. I make mistakes all the time. And so of course people are going to hate me. Like I have things to be hated for, Sure, (laughs) you know, like I say wrong things. I treat people, you know, poorly sometimes. And, and so when I look at John 15, 18, and, you know, I read that if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. While it might not directly apply to that exact thing, I do take a lot of comfort in that because as a believer, I don't have to worry about, okay, if I'm trying to grow in my faith, someone hates that about me. You know, I, I recently, probably about a year and a half ago, I lost one of my closest friendships. And I would say part of that was because this person is not a believer. Mm. And since I became a believer, our kind of paths and directions have been splitting further and further apart. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> he asked me once, why have you changed so much? Mm. And I said, because I've changed, you know, and it's not all perfect, great change, but like, it's just the reality of like, I have changed, you know, mm-hmm. I, I made different, you know, scripture would say that I was dead and now alive, you right. know? And so how can I be the same person? I, I can't. And so if from that perspective, I have a free license to be hated and not feel bad about it, mm-hmm. you know, take heart that the world hated me first. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is a big one. It is I, I'm really not crushed by people's opinions anymore. Mm. I don't like when people think incorrect things about me when they have <laughs> wrong information. That still that still gets me. Sure. But uh, you know, if people are upset about who I am, like I, I get that. But like, it doesn't crush me anymore because the most perfect person ever was hated and murdered. Like I will never live up to that. Mm. So why why should I get off any easier? I don't mm. know. Mm. Yeah, and because he has overcome the world. Exactly. So, yeah. One question I have that, again, I didn't prepare you for this. Sorry. It's all good. (laughs) You talk a lot about how fatherlessness was a thread throughout your life. How has becoming a father... I was hoping you'd ask something like this. How has that changed you? And what have you learned about God through fatherhood? So let me get real personal about this because I have always been a mix of angry, bitter, and heartbroken that Mm -hmm. I didn't have a father in my life. Mm -hmm. And I often wondered how could a father essentially abandon me at two years old, pop back into my life for a few months at six, and then leave again. Mm -hmm. Every single moment with Wade is the best moment. He is the most fun. I love him. He's the best. And the cutest. He's the cutest. (laughs) Uh... I feel bad for the guy. Mm. Like I have the cool, like this is the most fun I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And he missed out on all that. And not to say that like, I'm the most fun baby ever, but I was a baby. Like, what are you going to do? Like I I must've been at least some fun. I don't know. Sure. (laughs) So I just, I, I went from bitterness and hatred and feeling of abandonment to like, I just felt, sorry for the guy. Mm. I really did. And the, the lack of a relationship has made me want to 
almost over father weight, if that makes sense. Like sure. I, I like, I want to be home maybe more than I should. Yeah. I want to, you know, I, you got to work, but like at the same time, I don't want to miss a moment. I want to be there for everything. And yeah. like, I just like, it, it's the easiest relationship and it won't always be easy, especially, you know, he's going to become a teenager someday and I'm, I'm sure that that's going to be a blast, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it I just feel like it's easy and that to me, knowing how easy it is, is a blessing because I know I'm not the problem, like right. in that scenario, right. I'm, I'm the problem in a lot of other scenarios, <laughs> but not in my father and me. Yeah. And so, you know, that was just a huge burden off of my chest, I would say. And so while that might not have a direct scriptural, you know, like reference where I could point and say like, like the Lord just relieved a burden for me mm -hmm. through the birth of my son. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, he's the best. And like, uh, it's a shame that anyone would ever want to miss out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to say? I would just say that, I mean, I, I, I appreciate Calvary church for doing this. Mm. I think anytime you can hear the life story and the testimony of what Jesus has done through people is just so important. You know, it, it was through other people's testimonies and, and I mean, quite literally the, the story of the lost son is a testimony of yeah. a father, you know, yep. <laughs> returning to the son uh, or not, or the son returning to the father, but the father, you know, accepting mm -hmm. the son and, 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 and taking him back. And so, you know, when we hear, stories of life change and redemption. I just think that that just adds so much value to the body of Christ. And, and, and while we, you know, often have stories that, you know, are messy and not perfect. And like, I would love to tell you again that like my life is so much better, you know, there's some things that we're struggling through. Like yeah. life is life and, yep. you know, being in Jesus doesn't make, regular everyday things disappear right you still have to live in the world yeah we're just not of it and right. we know where our eternal resting place is and yep. so i just i i really appreciate that calvary church is a bible believing church that that cares about its people and celebrates the stories of life change amen well the last question i have for you is what is God teaching you right now as you're pursuing life in Christ? You know, I I go back to just being able to be honest with God. God knows everything. So even if I was dishonest, like he's still going to know. Right. But like, I don't always have to fold my hands and bend my knees. Like I could just go to God mm -hmm. at any time. Mm -hmm. And while I've known that for a while, like it just when it moves from like structural religion to relationship and just openness, yeah, I think that's so big. And I, I think what God is probably working on me the most right now is just like, Hey, come to me with like the basic stuff. Like I always go to God with the big stuff. Yeah. Like, Hey, this big bill just happened. Like, Oh my gosh. Like we have to move next month. Like, how are we going to do like all right. these things? But like, how are you treating your wife today? 
Are you putting in the effort at work today? You should be. How are you treating people even though you're in pain? Like your pain doesn't necessarily give you a pass to treat people poorly. And yet, right. you know, I, I need to be going to God about things like that so much more frequently. And I think that he's railing on me to do that. And <laughs> I, I, I'm stubborn. But if there's any anyone that's more stubborn, it's it's God. He will just keep going. Like he he's relentless. Yep. I love it. And you know, there's been so many opportunities in my life, so many different situations where like maybe I said this already, but like God's on the freeway with the sign. Like mm-hmm. here it is. This is so obvious. Like, come do this, come be engaged in this, come see what I'm doing. Yeah. Like he's not subtle with me. Yeah. I don't know if he's subtle with other people. He's <laughs> very in my face, like this is it here. Yep. And so while I consider myself a reasonably smart person, it's nice to have things dumbed down so I don't miss them because I'll miss some things. <laughs> yep. So don't we all? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for allowing us to celebrate God's work in your life Amen. and for your willingness to share with us. Just really appreciate. Yeah. That willingness and for putting God on display. So thank you. Thank you. I just love what Zach said at the end about the power of stories. Like he said, it was literally stories, especially the story of the prodigal son that contributed to his journey to faith in Christ. I hope that you've been encouraged by Zach's testimony and that you're inspired to celebrate the work that God is doing in your life too. We're so thankful that you've tuned in today and we look forward to sharing another story of God's faithfulness next Monday. Have a great week.